Good day, everybody. Welcome to Theology in the Dirt. It's good to have you with us. We appreciate you guys listening. Appreciate you guys asking questions. It's always a lot of fun to get correspondence from you. And by the way, those of you who don't know, welcome to Sir Mix-A-Lot, Buttermilk Biscuits. And I just want to recommend, if that's the first time you've heard Sir Mix-A-Lot, do not confuse Sir Mix-A-Lot with that song. That is the exception, not the rule. However, it's a fun Sir Mix-A-Lot song. Good morning. Glad you guys are with us. We've got a couple of incredible people in studio today with us. And uh, exactly to my right is Mr. Andrew Bailey. Welcome, Andrew. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Andrew, you are uh, – tell us what you do. Uh, I work uh, at Shorter University in Institutional Effectiveness. I run their website, and I'm also adjunct in uh, Christian Studies. Awesome. And uh, you're working on some – Crazy letters, aren't you? And and another degree, an additional degree. I, I was until yesterday. So this is news. Yeah, breaking breaking news. news. Breaking news. Hang on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Breaking news. So what what's going on, dude? Yeah, I uh, I stepped back from the program. So um, wow, you're yeah. working on that PhD. Yeah. Wow. Yes, I uh, was working on my PhD, and I might still finish in the future, but for the moment, at least for the next year, I'm stepping back. So. Hey, man, absolutely. Whatever you have to do, there's a – I have some – we'll talk about that later. I'm fired up. I'm fired up uh, about uh, um, learning to stop some things. And so reading the book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, that we're going to be doing in first Sundays at our yeah. church coming up. And so it's challenging me in a lot of ways, and I'm, I'm grateful for that. So that's something worth unpacking. And – our executive producer, who's been on the show before, is going to be with us uh, for quite a bit here uh, in the future, Mr. Chris Hayes. Good morning, sir. How we doing? Well, good, man. It's good to see you this morning. Good to be here. Chris, make sure that when we record this sucker and upload it, um, that he that there's nothing too stupid in it, and make sure like mistakes we make and uh, he not hates. as easy as it sounds sometimes. <laughs> but You're fast though. I mean, we get this sucker uploaded. Next thing you know, he's got it up on the old interwebs, and so Chris does a great job. He's a smart dude. Glad he gets to be with us today and be with us in the future for a little bit uh, as we uh, do some theology and the dirt. Theology and the dirt exists to help us think and to practice our theology in the public square of our homes, our city, and our world. And so we appreciate you guys participating with us, sending us questions so that we can help you and us think together. We dialogue over these issues, and uh, and it's a pleasure to do it. And so Theology and Dirt is brought to you by Global Impact Restoration Rome, and we're recording here at our headquarters of Global Impact Restoration Rome at 1400 Crane Street. And if you want to see what we do in the public square as our local engagement, you can check out restorationrome.org. And uh, this place is hopping constantly with incredible things happening in the world of foster care and adoption and everything related to it. And so we're grateful to wrestle through not just those issues, but we get to wrestle through those issues at the very epicenter of fighting through those issues practically with our hands and our feet and our words in our city. And so today, we're shifting some things a little bit. Um, we're dropping over time, and we're dropping sports hot take, and we're beginning to move. And the reason Andrew's here today, I invited him to come, is because I stole his idea. 
he he I saw him on the Twitters saying what's a good five minute podcast with some news, some updates on the news, and I thought that's what I want to do rather than sports hot takes. I like sports. I can talk sports. We can do a whole separate sports podcast, but I don't think most of the people listen care about sports. I think they rush through our sports hot takes to get to the content. And I thought news is a good thing to do. So ask Andrew if we could take that idea. He said yes. And so I wanted to invite him on to, to be part of that today. So today we're going to introduce a new segment, news. So what we're going to do in news is we're going to take a look at some headlines that catch our attention, uh, things that are going on in the news. Maybe you caught it on the old interwebs. Maybe you actually get a physical paper or you see it on the Twitter's. And so news. Chris, do you have any news headlines that caught your attention the past couple of days? You know, it's funny, and you kind of hit it when I walked in this morning when we were talking, but kind of the thing that stood out to me lately is the lack of news headlines. Um, I mean, there's obviously the the, the Trump raid um, is a big one right now. Uh, for me, I just kind of I dealt with what I assume was my second bout with COVID last week. And so kind of the thing I, I wanted to hit on was um, – you know, COVID numbers are starting to get back. I'm good now. No worries, Andrew. He tries to slide away <laughs> over here. Sliding away from the <laughs> microphone. I'm better now. Um, but, you know, this this newer strand or version or whatever you want to call it, um, the numbers are starting to tick up again. But I see a whole lot less push for vaccinations and things like that. And I just find that a little bit interesting where um, because this, this one's more kind of a cold related, it's less severe, um, but the numbers are kind of going back up. Um, but I'm just not hearing a lot about it. And I think just find that odd because it feels like every time there's a new strand or a new spike, it's like, oh my goodness, let's shut everything down again or make sure you wear your mask, get your vaccination, all that kind of stuff. So it's, it's interesting to me how maybe that's either not as big of a topic or maybe we can't, you know, funnel that through the same right agendas that we right. wanted to before because right. it's not. And actually, the CDC just came out with new guidelines uh, yesterday. I saw that. Yeah. Do you have that pulled up? I'm trying to pull it up. Do you happen to have it as well? I I, uh, I wanted to screenshot it, and I didn't. Uh, I didn't screenshot it yesterday. I actually saw it. Uh, um, I think, here it is. I've got it. Yeah. Uh, new COVID nineteen guidelines or guidance from the CDC focuses on individual decisions. Is those exposed to the virus are no longer required to quarantine. Unvaccinated people now have the same guidance as vaccinated people. Uh, this is a summary. This isn't because I looked at the CDC website and there's a lot more than these points, but these right. are the summary points. Mm-hmm. Students can stay in class after being exposed to the virus, and it's no longer recommended to screen those without symptoms. <laughs> oh. So much yeah. to say, but maybe not enough to say. I don't know. It's, yeah. 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 Yeah, well, I, yeah, I think uh, yeah. there's a there's frustration there. There's a lot of frustration there. I think um, I think one of the uh, yeah the lack of news. Chris and I were talking this morning as we're walking in the building. The lack of news seems disturbing to me because there's plenty of things for there to be news about, and it makes me wonder what's the agenda behind the lack of news, the lack right. of headlines, the lack of commentary. The past few days, is there an agenda? Is it just truly truly a a slow news cycle? Which I don't think it's a slow news cycle. Lots of things are happening in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, it, then it makes you wonder. It just makes you wonder what is being manipulated, who's manipulating it. And I know that sounds conspiratorial, but I think to astute observers, um, 
you have to ask questions. Well, I think we're in a place in the world too where stuff that's not really news is big news a lot more often than there's no news. And so I think that's where my skepticism comes in. I'm like, well, I just saw this guy post this yesterday that wasn't even, it wasn't significant, wasn't important. It was like, okay, I didn't have anything. So I posted something. Usually when there's no news, they're finding something to push or something to try to make bigger than it is. So when it just feels like there's just calm, I mean, they're worried there's a storm coming right? or yeah. Is there a reasoning behind the lack of, of major news? Right. Well, the truth of the matter is the news, and unless you dig and find sources that are uh, not super far right or super far left that just want to pass on news, you're getting conditioning. Yeah. You're being conditioned for a position. Yeah, I was about to say that uh, you can notice really the bias in your news source at moments like this where there's not just something coming every moment because they have to say something and what they're going to say comes from their political biases most of the time if you're listening to npr it's going to be um racial injustice uh or if you're listening to fox news it's going to be something against uh the inflation or something like that which i mean uh we shouldn't be racially biased and inflation is definitely hurting us but Right. You know, it's interesting what they choose to report on because that's going to show their biases. Yeah, absolutely. It, it certainly does. Um, Andrew, did you have a, is there a headline that stuck out to you uh, in the past couple of days of news uh, that I think, I think just to back up and say, I think it's important that uh, we talk about these things. And I love your idea because I think Christians find themselves stuck between things they want to say, fear of saying them, um, what if their position doesn't line up with the majority of people in their life or even their church? Um, and what, you know, and our topic's actually going to be the place of the Christian and commenting on news and, and, and dialogue. That's going to be our main topic here in just a moment. But is there a headline that you want to draw people's attention to? Uh, that I want to draw people's attention to? Um, I don't know. And I've been listening to, I found some news updates, podcasts that are short uh, that I've been listening to on the way to work. Um, and to be honest, uh, no. Right. I mean, but there is there's an interesting piece of news which everyone is commenting on, and I think that reveals some of their own personal biases, which is the uh, the search of uh, Donald Trump's residence in Mar-a-Lago. Because for some reason, everyone has something to say about that. I don't know why, but right. everyone has something to say about that. Absolutely. Here's a uh, headline this morning. I, for quick news, um, I, I go to Axios. Axios stands just a little bit left of center, um, but not very far left of center. And they, they're committed to, and, and this is just for people who are looking for an independent news source, some kind of news source that's maybe not as biased. Axios is committed to quick, uh, quick hit, like uh, non-biased uh, headlines with with a summary at the front, and if you want to read more, you can click and read the further article. Uh-huh. They're very transparent about how they make their money, um, and they and they and they don't do opinion pieces. Like there, there's no opinion on Axios; it's just information. And uh-huh. they and they they lean. I hate to say lean left. They're on. They, there's actually you can Google news sources. Uh, and the place on the spectrum, liberal to conservative, there's nice little graphs that have every news source, television, media, on where they where they where they land. Axios is right about in the middle, a little bit on the left. And the reason I I like them is because I lean right, 
And so I always want to read something that's going to push me a little bit, make right. me think, um, but I don't want a hit piece also. So that's frustrating. So Axios helps me. So if that helps you, you guys are welcome to go look at it. But this morning, Trump says he won't oppose Mar-a-Lago search warrant release. And as you read that article, uh, in fact, he goes on to say pretty quickly in the article based on the author, uh, who is Rebecca Falconer. What a great name, Rebecca Falconer. She says that uh, the, the former president said, release the documents now. What are you looking for? And and the word seems to be that they were looking for potential nuclear uh, information on nuclear weapons, maybe nuclear launch codes that were in his possession um, when he left the White House. Um, and and what blows my and that's just that's why the president's going release. Tell everybody what you're looking for. Uh, and I, I guess one of my initial questions is a if he has nuclear launch codes or sensitive nuclear information. It's been 18 months since he left office. Why are you just now rating his home? Yeah. That seems kind of, yeah. So somebody's negligent perhaps at the FBI right. or any other place, but if he doesn't have nuclear launch codes, what are you looking for? And the, at least the former president's going, yeah, tell everybody what you're looking for. Tell them what you found. Definitely makes you question your government a little bit. Makes you question your government a little bit. And I think that's a good place to be. Yeah. It's constantly questioning. Yeah. Government. There's only a sense of urgency when, they feel like there should be a sense of urgency. It's like, well, I wasn't right. Like, if that was really a worry, like that should have been like day one. Let's track that down and make sure those don't get around. Yeah. When he's getting off the plane, they drop him off. You know, he leaves the white house that, uh, Mr. President, you need to come with us. <laughs> let's, right. let's find out what you got in that briefcase, Mr. President. And I'm going, come on, man. And so that's, that's the, that's the headline. I, I, for me, that's the big news. It feels very negative in the precedent setting of raiding former president's homes 18 months after the fact. Um, it it also problems. doesn't sound very plausible. Like it sounds like right. they've made up something to like that. Yeah. It, why would he have, how would he have nuclear launch codes or information? Because right. that stuff is locked down. Certainly. So it, it sounds strange, doesn't it? Yeah. And, and can I ask this question? Where, um, where are all the high-profile figures that were said to be on Jeffrey Epstein's stuff when mm-hmm. Helene Maxwell just got? It's just it's just too inconvenient that all these high-profile political figures who are hanging out with Epstein. Oh, we've got a we've got a former president problem. And it, yeah. man, I'm telling you, I hate like these. Sometimes I feel funny because. Because I feel like my questions borderline on advocating for conspiratorial thinking. Right. And then there's this huge outcry against conspiracy theories, uh-huh. which probably should be. But sometimes a question's a legitimate question. And I think part of what I want to discuss in a few moments is the place of the Christian uh, in the public square and, and how we comment on the news. Um, I think it's worth asking questions regardless of how they sound sometimes. Right. And yeah. that's one of mine is um, why is child sex trafficking at high levels of high-profile people just get ignored? My my yeah. hunch on the, the answer to that is that because it's not a partisan sin, it's not the right sin or the left sin. It's 
most likely. Right. If it's if it's as pervasive as people have led us to believe, then it's on both sides. It's on both sides. Well, I wonder if the president could have had that kind of information. And and they're like, we he this can't get out because those are yeah. Like, I mean, there's what are you looking? Tell us what you're looking for. That's true because I mean, part of the speculation has been that he was involved. Yeah, that that Trump himself had Trump himself was involved, <laughs> yeah. but also the right. what the Clintons and just you anyone else. It. Yeah, <laughs> right. And so, what if Trump has that information? They're like, we got to destroy that because he could use it against us. Because yeah, you're right. Trump was a friend of Epstein too. Yeah, he's not clean in relationship to Jeffrey Epstein and Helene Maxwell, and and man, it's just the, those kind of things make me go okay because the news cycle has gotten really slow the past couple of days on this, and it makes me that that makes me wonder why because this is an unprecedented action. Yeah, why isn't news just firing with the exception of about two people on Twitter? It's gone silent. I think embedded in this and and how do Christians respond is understanding the nature of the Christian's relationship to government and the Christian's relationship to science and what science is, which is the study of uh, reality and making theories to uh, grapple with different different results we see in reality. Right. Scientific testing can only tell us what we're looking for uh, and... uh, and the paradigms shift so often. Uh, we do know things because of science, but at the same time, uh, science does change. Uh, I think with COVID, it changes quite frequently. And uh, so the, how does a Christian respond to to that? Right. I think it's part of the bigger question as well. Yeah, I think so. I think it's good. I think that's a perfect segue for us to move into our main topic. And so Andrew has to get to work. He's going to leave us. Chris and I are going to going to jump into our conversation. Andrew, we appreciate you, buddy. Yeah, man. Have a great day, my man. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So our main topic today is going to be exactly what Andrew sort of segued us to, and that is what is a Christian's role mm-hmm. in responding to news of the day? And when Chris and I were chatting the other day by text about this topic, uh, what was going through my mind is in the and I've I've written a blog about this and and a quick very quick uh, solo podcast on the whole vaccine issue because a lot of Christians, um, high-profile, more higher-profile Christians who write books and do all those things in the evangelical world push people pretty hard on what it meant to love Jesus and love their neighbor well by getting a vaccine. And the more information that comes out, the more questionable that take is. And so there was a rush to declare this was the Christian thing. Uh, And... And now that's debatable. And so there were people who were questioning that. But at the time, they were maybe shamed or maybe put in their place by some of the more elite in the world of evangelicalism. Uh, and how dare you not love your neighbor well? Um, not everybody did that. Some did. Um, but people just had some legitimate questions. And then they were called anti-vaxxers and all kinds of just negative stuff. And so... My question is, what is our place? Chris, what are we supposed to do? Uh, are we supposed to just sit down and shut up and take our place? Or are we, should we ask questions? Should What is our place? Um, because I think some of, I'm one of them. I'm skittish because of some of the circles I run in. I find myself often contrary to the popular opinion. So I'm like, do I put myself as the outsider? Uh, will I be cut off? 
Um, will I come across as now what is called a conspiracy theorist because I have this question? Will that ha- hamper uh, any voice I may have in the future? Will people mistreat people in our church because one of their pastors sounds like a fool? And so I'm like, what is my place? What is our place? Um, because I definitely have opinions. I'm just trying to exercise wisdom. So what are some of your thoughts, Chris? Yeah, there's a lot. I think the first thing, just to to get it out there, is, you know, it is hard. It's I find myself, too, I'm like, because let's just take politics, for example, because I think that's kind of, for the last, you know, four, five, six years, that's been, I think, the biggest struggle for believers. It has been for me. I'm like, especially on social media, like, I just don't engage in political conversation. Number one, I'm not going to convince anyone to think the way I think because I comment on their post. Right. I think the thing I struggle with the most is, well, there's two things. Number one, we live in a world of extremes. Everything is either far left or far right. And yeah. I feel like too oftentimes we are held to those standards or we are held to those political ends. And instead of taking everything and running it through scripture, we're trying to take scripture and apply it to one of these political ends. Right. Um, one of the other things, too, that has really come out lately, and it's really saw this prevalent throughout the last presidential campaign and election, is no opinion is an opinion. Yes. That bugs me to no end, because it's like, so if, you, if, if you're not condemning Trump for saying mean things on Twitter, you're, you, advocating, you're for advocating for it. Mm-hmm. Um, or if you're not, you know, concerned with, Biden, you know, forgetting that he just shook a guy's hand five seconds ago or right. falling down the stairs, then you're, you know, you're okay with him. And so, and if, if you don't speak out about the guy on George Floyd's neck, you're a pro police officer killing innocent people. Yes. As opposed to there are legitimate questions we ought to ask what happened beforehand. And so every police officer... <laughs> doing something that appears to be negative, if you don't speak out against police or police brutality, you're for police brutality. And and I'm going, that's not true. Yeah. That's untrue. So you that's a huge point is no. silence on an issue does not mean advocating for it. It means maybe I'm waiting till more information comes out. And and also and I, I want to make this very clear to people who are listening, you are not who you vote for. And I think we've got to get rid of that stigmatism that if you vote for a person, that means you agree with everything they say and do, and you wholeheartedly, blindly follow them. And I think that's probably a very small percentage of people who actually live that way. Right. I don't know many people who voted, whether you voted for Trump or voted for Biden, who believe in everything those people stand for. That's right. In fact, I think we're on this streak, and I think it's going to continue, where it's more of a lesser of two evils um, because— and I don't want to get too deep into this. I think a two-party system is a joke. Because, yeah, certainly. Because they're just, they exist to oppose the other side. Yeah. And to get their agenda across. Rarely is there a candidate who's, and then, you know, you might have a great libertarian candidate or just someone running by themselves, but then how, how do you vote for them knowing it's probably going to be a wasted vote? Right, absolutely. That Yeah, that it's going to be, that you're actually could possibly be helping somebody with the worldview completely opposite of yours, become, become right. whatever that's that whatever position they're voting for. And it it's a it's a little stressful. It's very stressful, yeah. and it, and it feels like you're. I feel like I'm fighting this. I feel like I should say something, 
but I have to be very cautious of what I say. Right. Um, and I mean, I had people messaging me their disappointment and their, I mean, other believers because I said something about, I think it was a vice president can, candidate, um, in favor of like during a debate, it was something like, right. I, you know, and that's probably the last political thing I've posted anywhere. Cause right. that, that social media right. is just, um, has compounded this issue negatively more so than it probably does positively. Right. Um, I think it's a great platform for believers and yeah. I think there are, are opportunities there, but at the same time, it's just, yeah, I remember, you know, I, re- I remember commenting, uh, back when the January 6th stuff happened. Has that been two years ago? Yeah, it's been yeah. Nearly, nearly two years ago um, that people people were questioning whether or not I was should be called a man of God because I questioned why the president was not making some sort of statement about asking this to stop. Right, like why? Why? Where's the president? Is is he complicit? I actually, this is the statement that got me in deep water. Is he complicit or is he inept? Which one is it? Because there are bad things happening here that are not necessarily the best things that could be happening at this moment. Should he say something to ask people to stop? That was it. So is he complicit or is he inept? And dude, yeah. Chris, I had to delete my Facebook. Mm-hmm. Like I started getting stuff. I don't know how people got my number. Maybe they looked my name up because my number is public to the church. And I started getting death threats. And I'm going, this is unhealthy. I just ask a question. And it came unhinged. I mean, we wonder why there's a growing mental health crisis in our country right. in particular. And I'm like, spend five minutes on Facebook or Twitter. I'm like, the amount of hate and negativity that comes with talking about football or baseball by people who love the same teams. Right. Like, I, you know, I run a Braves group. And, you know, part of the reason I started that one was, I wanted one without profanity, and I wanted one that would you know, wasn't filled with people going, "This guy's trash," or right. you know, and and I, not to get into the sports talk, but I'm like just on stuff that, frankly, doesn't matter. But like sports and politics are two of the more polarizing topics, anyway. Right. And I'm just like, it's it, you're right, it, and it's and it's easy to get caught up in it. Right. And then you start going back and forth, and you're like, wait a minute, <laughs> this is this is not a great. Right. representation of Jesus right now. That's right. Um, and That's so, right. but to kind of get, our, I'll go back into our topic a little bit here, put my Southern Baptist preacher hat on for a minute and go with my, <laughs> I've got five L's for how I think wow. believers should kind of. You want to preach Sunday? Yeah. That's pretty good. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see how this goes first. Uh, you know, nobody stared at me, you know, with a blank right. look of, could be contempt or interest and you don't know which one. So I don't envy that sometimes. <laughs> At least when you're leading music, you know, for the most part, right? Like the people who you get both, then you get too, both. You yeah, get, yeah. It's a mixed uh, bag, it and, is. And you're like, eh, you know, it's probably split the difference, right? Yeah. <laughs> but I can just close my eyes and sing the song and not worry about that one guy going, man, does he hate worship or does he just not want to sing and doesn't want to smile? <laughs> yeah. And so, anyway, that's he another hate, topic. He so, hates Jesus. so let me get let me get to these, and then I've got yeah. some scriptures with some of them, and then I figure we can kind of you uh, some feedback on some of these too. But the yeah. first one is lens. So the five L's here, lens. Uh, we have to filter everything through the lens of the word and the gospel, not conforming scripture to the world, but conforming to the, the world to scripture. And you know, that's one good. of my favorite pieces is. Um, I mean, I love the book of Romans, and I love chapter 12, and I love the transition that Paul takes from the first 11 chapters to therefore, you know, and, and I know you're big on the grammar, and I love, anytime I see a but 
or therefore, I'm like, okay, this is important, right. you know, and it gets into 12.1, uh, therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifice that's holy and pleasing to God. And this is this next verse, 12.2, is what I think we've really got to be reminded of. Do not conform to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And I think that goes into your thing. I think we should be asking questions. Right. Um with those questions bent towards the lens of the scriptures. Right. Uh, we should be um, discerning. And I believe that as believers, we are, uh, there's a gift of discernment, but I think we're all given the ability to discern through the Holy spirit. Absolutely. Um, and so some people are better at that than others. And some of that comes with knowing the scriptures and knowing context of scriptures is huge because right. one of the things we see a lot now is people taking the scriptures to try to, Respond, justify, justify position, yeah, right? justify yeah. sin or justify um, just a lot of things, and yeah. I'm just like, that's not at all what they're saying. Yeah. But yeah. but so, because you use the Bible verse, it sounds good, and people don't people aren't taking that right. Um, you know, as a as a pastor, I would assume you would encourage people if they don't understand something you say, or even if they do, they should be going and yeah. researching that. Yeah, um, that helps you keep you accountable. But also make sure we're not just blindly following people either, because there's a lot of false teachers out there. Yeah, read the Bible, and context is the meaning, right? It's not just the surface, what I want it to mean. It's what is the author's intent. And, dude, you talk about a whole podcast, literary yeah. deconstruction. I, that is one of my hobby horses when it comes to philosophy and the and, and the age we live in. We live in it now when it comes to the lens uh, of language. Like a lens, what you view things through the lens skews how you interpret it right so we start with, as christians we start with the bible and 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 hidden beneath the surface of that is my interpretive framework as a human being mm-hmm. how do i define words do words come with an innate meaning or are words assigned meaning by other people that that's the heart of literary deconstruction so when when matt walsh is asking what is a woman the goofy responses that man is getting is coming from people who are using the same word mm-hmm. and defining it differently. And I'm not even talking about woman. I'm talking about biology, science, and so de- definition. So that lens even on the inner working of that lens is what does that word mean? Do I bring the meaning or is the divine author of the word bringing the meaning? that's the case then i have a responsibility to figure that out and so yes that lens what does that verse say and what does it mean what's the author's intent because that's the meaning Mm -hmm. and when we do that then then we can come with a powerful i would say prophetic ability to speak to even if it's just a question yeah even if it's just a question what is a woman that's a great question Right. And, and, you know, and it goes back to kind of not conforming scripture to the world or to the culture. And I think that's become more prevalent too is, right. you know, oh, you know, um, when that was written, it, it meant this, but now it doesn't, you know, we can't really apply that. Right. And, I, and my thought is, so the God who created all things didn't have the foreknowledge to create his word that would be able to transcend cultures through all time. Right. Because that's what you're telling me is that, and if that's the case, if one verse is no longer applicable, then we have to question the entire book. The whole 
bit of it because if one of it is merely cultural and culture changes with time, then 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 there's no hope for the rest of it. Absolutely. That's yeah. huge. So the lens, so when you talk lens, we're talking about even deeper and understanding that the Bible tells us what to think, but we have to dig deep into, and we want people to dig deep into what exactly does that mean? Yeah. Um, and I'm I about to sneeze, and so Chris... Feel we'll free. Go, I'll like, go through I, my I'm, next L here. I'm you do fighting that? hard to not sneeze right now. I'm like, oh, here it comes. Oh. So if I go silent for a minute and you hear this crashing thing in the background, Chris is coughing. <coughs> He's giving me COVID. I'm yeah. going to sneeze a booger across the room. <laughs> uh, man. <laughs> I just said booger. Choking on the ineptitudes of the government, sir. <laughs> that's right. Um, so you have that, that L lens. That's huge. Yeah. What's your second L? Uh, my second one is a listen. And, you know, to – not to get all cheesy, but you know that I love the saying: we, we're given two ears and one mouth for a reason. And um, whether that was in the Lord's mind or not, I don't know. But I think there's, you know, there's plenty of scriptures on that. Um, you know, let your uh, this one's not so much on the listening. I'll get to that too. But obviously, you know, be, be slow to slow to speak, quick to listen. Um, I think we've just got to make sure other people feel heard, and when we listen to people, it gives them value. We could think they're completely nuts, and we could be like, as soon as they say something, then be like, that's completely wrong. I'm not going to believe that. But I still think we owe it to people as a sign of respect and kindness to listen to them. And I don't think we do enough listening. And that's people in general, but I think even Christians, I think we're really quick to respond. We're really quick to give our thoughts and our opinions, especially on those hot-button political topics and things like that. Right. We just got to be better at listening. We've got to create value. And I think when we do that, it gives us more credibility in what we say because we've listened first. Yeah, that's pretty good. I, and, and maybe that contributes to silence. There's a period to be quiet. Maybe the day after something crazy happens and me not writing about it, is probably an opportunity to listen and gain information so that I speak wisely, not foolishly. Yeah. Um, you know, James one nineteen. that's the, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, and you know, I don't think I've really ever noticed this before until I really read that one, but I'm like, there's a reason that says, it doesn't just say quick to hear, slow to speak. It immediately says slow to anger. Yeah. When we speak first, that often goes to anger. And if you notice how many all these conversations on social media, they quickly get to anger. They do. Uh, because we feel offended. Someone didn't like our opinion. We're offended because of their opinion. And it's, um, I think, one of the biggest problems in our world right now is we can't agree to disagree. Right. And I, and I think that even goes from believer to believer on certain topics. I mean, there's a reason we have all these different denominations. You know, um, there are things that I don't agree with about certain other ones. But as long as the main thing is true. I think it's okay to disagree on some of those things and not Absolutely. engage in debate and discussion on something that's not yeah. gospel kingdom centered. Absolutely. That's huge. I love um, it. Listen. So lens, our lens, what we're coming, coming from the scriptures and then listening. Yeah. And so the next one is learn. Um, just like listening before we speak, we need to learn um, before engaging in certain topics. I think we've got to make sure we learn and educate um, ourselves. Um, Proverbs 18, two says a fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his opinion. <laughs> and I'm wow. like, man, I probably just, I'm just going to start tweeting that every day. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Twitter in general, right? right. So, here, it's boom. We're, you know, and that's, I mean, social media is, is just 
geared towards that. It's right. You know, it's hey, I know you didn't ask what I have for dinner, but let me tell you. You know, I know you didn't ask my, my thoughts or on the Trump raid, but I'm going to tell you. Right. And it's and it's not that those things are bad. I mean, right. they're an out. It's an out outlet for your opinion. Right. But man, so many opinions are without taking time to learn what you're saying. Yeah. Uh, and I'm guilty of that. Like I, there's a, one of the reasons I don't engage in many political discussions is because I don't spend a lot of time studying it. I, I try to learn when I need to, need to learn for elections and I spend more time during those times. But I mean, I, I couldn't tell you, you know, the ins and outs of everything that a certain political candidate stands for. Um, I certainly don't take any information from political commercials. Right. Those things drive me crazy. Oh, they're horrible. I'm like, I would probably just vote for a candidate no matter what he stands on if he just came on and said something positive in a commercial. Yeah. Like if it, or if it was just about himself, you know, coming saying something like, man, yeah, I made mistakes, but here's what I'm trying to do. Right. As opposed to my opponent is yeah. the devil. <laughs> and He's I'm going to kill take, everyone yeah, and take, take all your rights away. Right. So, so oh my gosh. Um, you know, we just, we've got to learn, um, and That's I think good. when we learn, when we take time to think, we're given brains for a reason. We use very, very little of them. We, you know, we, we know science says we learn use very little bit of our brains. But if we just spent time studying and before we speak, not listening, but learning, learning the other side of two. I think that's one of the, one of the things that make people who are really good at debating is they understand the other side. There's a reason that people who believe um, in the Koran, for example, Many or, or in these other um, religions often know our Bible better than Christians do, right? Um, and that's what makes them dangerous because they've taken time to study and to learn what our retorts are going to be, right? And what scriptures we're going to use to to try to, mm. um, you know, downplay their beliefs. Mm. And <laughs> they probably win a lot because you know we haven't spent that time studying. That's good. That's good. So lens, listen, learn. And then love, right? That love is number four. And um, again, none of, none of these L's, because speak doesn't start with an L. But you know, I'm like these are all things I think we've got to do almost in before speaking, and yeah. or or in our speaking, in our response. So loving, let our words be true and spoken out of love. Uh, Christians get such a bad rap for being harsh, especially on certain topics. I just sometimes I sit back and I go, I can't believe that person said that or posted that. You know, right. I'm like, you could have said the same thing in a different manner. Um, you know, we, we talked about doing a session on uh, fruit of the spirit at some point here in the future. And um, I mean, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. Right. Like you can, you can disagree with someone through in kindness. Right. You can do it in love. Um, right. You know, Proverbs 15, one, a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. You're you're not accomplishing anything, speaking in anger and responding in anger or in hate or in any of those things. Um, and again, it goes back to sometimes we do have to disagree to disagree. Sometimes, right. not continuing the conversation is the best way to to love that person or to show respect for that person. Right? Because you know, hey, I'm not going to win this argument. I need to be okay with that. Yeah, that's right. You know, completely okay. Winning is a false goal. Win, winning, yeah, that's such winning, a good way to say it. Yeah, winning is just a false goal. Like nothing in the Bible calls us to win. Yeah, we, we, Jesus never asks us to go win anything. 
He tells us, he tells us, go make disciples of every nation. And ultimately that work is up to him as far as its conclusion. Our task is to simply be bearers of the news. He never calls us to win. But everything around us, I've been conditioned to win. And if it's not a win, it's viewed as a loss. And even what do we call a tie is like kissing your sister, which right. is the ultimate evil and bad. <laughs> right. It and is. so like so the goal is not win, but but love. And I can I can love even if somebody shows me I'm wrong. Should be able to. Now, yeah. It's harder, but I should be able to. Yeah, admitting when we're wrong is another key component, I think, as believers, because we are going to be and admitting that, okay, maybe I didn't research that topic enough or maybe I yeah. didn't understand that yeah. or maybe I didn't understand your side of it. Yeah. Now I understand it. I may still not agree with it, right. but I understand where you're coming from on that. Um, you know, First Peter 3, um, I think, is something that we need to be reminded of. Starting in verse 9, do not repay evil for evil for re- or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless, for to this you are called that you may obtain a blessing. Because mm. um, I feel like someone... Someone comes at us, they make a negative comment on our post. We've got to come back negative at them. Right. I mean, and, and again, guilty. It's right. easy to. We get defensive. We get so defensive. Right. At just And this is just people in general. Everyone gets defensive. How dare you you know, be contrary to my statement? Uh, and, and granted, there are probably times we should just keep scrolling. <laughs> right. I mean, and yeah. I, I have to do that. I'm like, I've, how many times have I typed something in and then deleted it? Because I was like, that, you know. And I, I'm sarcastic in nature, and not everyone gets that. And sarcasm can be a, a humor thing, and it can also be something that tears people down. Right. And, um, you know, I've got to be very cautious of that when I'm responding to people that um, I'm trying to use the, you know, when you go on Facebook and you can like or love or care, I use the the ha-ha one way too often as, like, like I'm laughing at the statement you just made because it's ridiculous. And I've, I've, I've been convicted of that lately. I'm like, I, that's... Because I don't like when people do that to me, and I'm right. like, man, I shouldn't do that to people. That's not the, that's not a loving response. There's nothing loving about laughing at someone's opinion, right? Um, and I'm sitting here going, but that's pretty funny. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I feel that help, way. Too. I didn't help there, right? And I'm like, it's probably a good thing there's not one on Twitter because uh, oh, yeah, there's a downvote button now on Twitter, like on responses. Have you seen that? Oh yeah, you can that's new. That. Yeah, that's new. That's that's fun. Yeah, I'm trying to stay away from that. Yeah, I'm trying to stay. I'm I'm severely paring down my social media, but that's that's a different topic. So. Yeah, like I said, that can be an an avenue for the gospel. It can be an avenue for um you know things. And one of the things I kind of notes I put in here is simply just re- remember who you represent. Mm. It, uh, you know, it's the WWJD bracelets in in a way, not just what would right. Jesus do, but just remember who you represent. Mm. And that goes back to that lens, the scripture written of if I think before. Before I post or before I comment, before I say, before I text back, whatever, if I if I'm thinking, remember who you represent, it completely changes yeah. my response. It's easier to delete that post, right, before you send it. Like, ooh, my name, the name of Christ is going to be attached to this. Yeah, yeah, that's good. That's good. So, what's your fifth one? My last one, um, and to quote the great Disney movie Frozen. Let it go. Let it go. Um, it goes back to being able to agree to disagree. Uh, and then we've kind of already talked about this. Um, you're not likely not going to change someone's mind on a topic. Um, so trying to win that argument or debate shouldn't be the goal. I look, that's how it's funny when you said that. Like I literally have that in my notes. Um, we've got to stop seeking to win something because that, usually the reasoning we're doing that is for our own pride. Right. You know, it's like, let me, I'm going to, 
I'm going to outduel you in this because I know more right. or because I'm more spiritual. And right. even if that's not the case, that's certainly how it can come across. That's right. And so learning sometimes to just keep scrolling or make a comment. Yeah. You know, one of my friends, um, posted something about a candidate recently and I was usually I would have just scrolled on and, right. and he and I are, you know, we went to school together. We're friends. We, we don't agree on a lot of things politically, but we agree on a lot of things, you know, sports wise and stuff like that. He's a Braves fan. Yeah. And so I just went on there and I, I was like, I feel like there's a need to make a comment, a disagreeing comment that's respectful of the original poster. And I, I kind of did it on purpose. It was like, Normally I would just scroll on because everyone else on their on his thread was agreeing with him, and um, I don't even remember specifically what it was, but I just went on there. And I was like, you know, I appreciate your approach on, or I appreciate your thought on this. I said, you know, I disagree. Um, I, I feel a little bit differently on this, but I appreciate the way that you presented your argument and that. And I and we kind of went on, and he messaged me later and just said, you know, hey, thanks for that. I appreciate that, and I told him why. I said I knew because I knew he wouldn't take it. Yeah. The wrong way. Right. Um, and I felt like more of that sometimes would mm. go a long way. Mm. Again, don't have to agree with everybody. Right. Also have to realize that everyone's not going to agree with you, with me. Right. Um, and so it's okay just to let something go. Right. Or, or table it and have a conversation in person. I think that's because it's, you know, like you and I here, I could see your face. I could have a conversation with you. Right. You can have a better understanding of how I feel about something by my facial expressions, how I respond to it. You don't get that on social media. That's right. And so it's just everything's taken the wrong way all the time. Mm, um, that's good. Going back to First Peter 3 again in 11 and 12, it says, let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Mm. And again, it just comes back to that that lens and that love aspect of we can disagree. We can have these conversations because it's hard. I and mean, going back to the original topic again, it, I get, yeah, I feel trapped sometimes. I'm like, man, I really want to say stuff here. Right. But number one, is it going to benefit anyone? Is it going to benefit my witness? Mm. Is it going to help? Mm. Um, or would it be better if I just said, you know what? Let me not comment at all. Let me, I'm going to pray for that person. Right. Not even necessarily for them to change their mind. Yeah. But let me just pray that the Lord does something in their life. Yeah. God blesses them with good. Yeah. That he shows them his favor. Yeah. Absolutely. I wish we were I wish we would become agents of peace more so than stirring the pot or that's agents good. of dissension. Um, I feel like that's yeah. That's where our calling needs to be. I think that's solid. I I love it. Um I I think I think uh, one of the things my wife says and I think you and I both sitting behind some of our thoughts here this morning is the context of social media because it's the means. Mm -hmm. It's the means. It seems to be the means because very few people actually get a physical newspaper anymore. And even right. if, if they do and you and they write in, or even if it's a digital newspaper uh, and any kind of commentary, if you write into an editorial, it takes time. Yeah. There's time that has to pass. You have to cool down and people are going to read it and it's going to take time for them to respond. And even if you get the digital version, it's, it takes time. And so, um, we're talking the instant, uh, feedback of social media. And one of the things my wife constantly says is innately social media is narcissistic at its very root. It's narcissistic because the assumption is that my view or my desire in this is supreme. And that is 
true. And there's a degree to which even what we're talking about has at its root the question of whether or not it's innately narcissistic, Mm -hmm. that my opinion needs to be seen and heard. Um, And I think the key to that is, are we stating our opinions or are we ambassadors of God's opinion? Mm -hmm. And I think for me, it starts with, does what I have to say on the last day when I stand before God and all of my deeds are laid bare under the the shadow of the cross, so I'm not going to be held guilty, I'm going to be counted righteous because of Jesus. So I'm not earning favor, earning salvation. But Paul's also clear that that there's going to be a great account, though, for what I did with that that forgiveness and that salvation. Mm. Will those words be brought to me as those were yours, not mine? And and so that's that's a sobering that's a sobering thing for me to realize that am I being innately narcissistic by thinking the world needs to hear my opinion, or am I representing God and His kingdom? Is it a prophetic speaking of of this is I think God's opinion? which really helps me to hit delete a lot because yeah. I can be very opinionated. I am very opinionated. And um, and so I try to ask the question is, does this represent the very name of Jesus, the triune God of the Bible? Well, and, and that doesn't mean it has to be positive because sometimes God has some pretty negative things to say. And he has very sarcastic things to say. I mean, you go through the prophets in the old Testament and, and it, God's always on point. God's God's always on point. Uh, I'm not always on point. God's always on point. And there are times God gets very sarcastic. There are times he's very lewd. You can't read Ezekiel and come away thinking, boy, God's got a clean mouth. Sometimes God speaks very harshly and very rudely mm-hmm. towards sin. And he's God and he has a right to do that. And I think for the question for us is, is there ever a place where we can take up those words and use them well. And that's a legitimate debate inside some circles. Um, but are these words going to represent God well? And I don't mean from the positive perspective. I mean, just do they represent the holy character of God well? And there are times they may and may not. But that's a question I have to try to ask myself. Right. Um, and then this has been a big emphasis for me lately. Um, and that's starting with my Eden. Am I commenting in public before I'm working at home? And and I have really tried to make sure I am trying, I'm attempting to make sure that we have these discussions around the supper table. Yeah. And we do at our house. Sometimes when, you know, the boys are all, you know, we're losing number two um uh, to, to school and so well, I'm about I'm about to get emotional. Adam Jocelyn said the other day we were at lunch after supper and uh, Gabe was has been gone a year and, and, and Addie's now gone and mm-hmm. And uh, John Mark will be gone Sunday. And Adam said there are empty chairs, and I nearly like lost it. Like I, I about started, I <laughs> started crying. So when when the chairs were full and we sat around the table, we used to argue a lot. But over supper, we would talk politics, talk theology. Man, we would it would get heated mm-hmm. in a good way. Yeah. But I always want to make sure I default to my house because in in thirty years, what happens around that table is going to multiply into my grandchildren, and and they're going to be living in the public square. And so I might not be heard on this today, but 30 years from now, that influence will be. And so I'm trying to think in terms of start with my Eden. Make sure my Eden is in order. And you and I are on a podcast, and a lot of people are going to listen to this, but I want people to recognize that for me, these discussions happen at the Jolly Household between Jennifer and I before they happen on air. Mm -hmm. Um, And we don't always agree. Like She and I have some fun discussions, and I'm going to say fun because at the end they're fun, but in the middle it's like, 
who are you? <laughs> Where did you come from? What have you been reading? And so starting with my Eden is a big deal. And I think these five L's are great lenses and um, listening and learning and loving and letting it go are good for the house. Too. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, I, I see this a lot. You know, I've got my Addison just turned seven. So I've got a seven year old in the home and I'm constantly like, you know, a lot of our time now is, Hey, can she watch this movie? Should she watch this movie? Um, what songs am I listening to in the car? Um, right. And but then more so, it's like that's a lot less important than what does she see in me? And you know, like yeah. I s- kind of mumbled something in the car at somebody the other day because of their driving, and she picked up on that. And she was like, and she's like, "Daddy, that wasn't very nice." And I'm like. <laughs> Oh, arrow to the heart, you know, <laughs> but, uh, I, and I don't want to make light of this, but I, you know, as a sports person, you know, one of the things you are taught as a young athlete or young ball player, whatever you play is you play like you practice and to kind of translate that to our conversation here, uh, not that my, my home's not practice. I don't want to make that correlation. My home right. is most important, Yeah, but how I am in my home with my family is how I'm going to come out to right. those in the public and vice versa. That's right. And so I, I, I think you're spot on with that. I think it's imperative that we have those conversations. Um, you know, my daughter being seven, like she's so curious about everything and she asks great questions. And I, I'm sometimes I'm just like waiting for that question. Cause I'm like, I want to have those conversations and it makes me more aware of, well, do I know how to answer that? And I probably don't have all the answers, you know? And so I think to me, it comes back to, that a great commission mindset, you know, so much of what Jesus says is us doing more so than saying, uh, it, it accomplishes both, but you know, go right. therefore into all nations, make disciples, baptizing them and teaching them the things right. I've commanded. And even then when we're teaching, it's, it's, it's not, you know, not tell them they're wrong, right. not tell them that they're idiots right. and right. all the kind of stuff. It's teach them what I've commanded, teaching That's them right. um, the words. And I just, I think we've got to, uh, and uh, preaching to myself, just like I know you were yeah. in your home. It's, um, you know, your your boys are growing. you got one left for this last year. And I'm thinking, well, I've got time, but I don't have time. Like, it right. goes by so fast because I knew yours when they were yeah. this age and much smaller. And I'm like, yeah. how are they in college now? Uh, you know, how how are my group, my um, yeah. fl- flower girl and, yeah. you know, ring bear, <laughs> ring bear both in college now? Right. Um, and so we, I think we've got to be intentional there. We've got to, yeah. um, we've, we've got to just be cautious of our words. We've got to speak yeah. life into people yeah. starting in the home and then yeah. other places. Because if we can do that at home, then there is a manner of integrity to do that in the public square. Cause I, I think, you know, people are going to say, you didn't really answer the question. Well, here's the answer to the question. I think there's a place for us in the public square to speak publicly. Yeah. Um, I, I don't think you can read your Bible and walk away going Christians were, were silent on, on public issues. They weren't. So there's a place for us to be public, but I think with with your five L's and and what I'm saying here is we're saying let's apply this, let's start at home, because it doesn't do any good to talk about let's go down to the pride parade and protest. Right. If if you have no dialogue in your house, if there if your progeny are not reflecting those values in your house, because protests come and go, they're flash in the pan, mm-hmm. and and. Issues are going to come and go in cycles. But what will last forever is the passed on, 
viral DNA of the kingdom of God, that will outlast, that will outlast persecution. It will outlast, uh, it's not flash in the pan. It will outlive the pride movement because pride will come and go. Yeah. But what will live forever is the reality of God's kingdom. And so am I going up and setting up a counter protest and I'm not actually doing anything that matters at my home or in my community, or, or, or do I have a relationship with anybody at which I can have these discussions in a, in a, with a lens, listening, learning, and loving, and let it go attitude? Probably not. Because none of those five things can be done in the public square if I've not done them privately first. Right. So I'd say start at the house, and then I would say with each other, I think our voice is most heard in a loving relationship with somebody who does not agree with us. And, and that's where we're going to make the most impact ultimately. Because if I set up a protest, but I don't have a relationship with somebody that I love and loves me back, that I'm protesting, I'm clanging yeah, gong. You're just noise. And that's, just that's, noise. that was the key word, relationship. Yes. Yeah. I can go stand on a corner at the Pride Parade or at a um, at a women's rights yeah. movement of uh, that's you know for abortion, for example. Which And that's one of those topics that... I'm always going to feel strongly about, you know, and I think we've got to pick and choose our topics, pick and choose right. our moments. But again, I'm not going to convince them to change their mind. Yeah. And they're not going to listen to me if I just come and bang symbols and hold up signs, just like I'm not going to listen to them if they walk by right. screaming at me for having a different opinion. That's right. However, what if we went and had a meal together? Yeah. And you tell me why you feel that way. Let me tell you how, why I feel that way. That's right. What if we become friends we may never agree on the topic, but I am seeking to make disciples That's in right. that moment. That's and right. I'm seeking to encourage and to love on someone yeah. who has a different opinion. Because at the end of the day, human civility is human civility generates peace. Peace generates an open public square. And, and check this out. I firmly believe the gospel is so powerful that if we can live in the public square with it, he'll save those people. Hundred percent. I, I, I firmly believe that. But if we cut ourselves off by starting with our ego and narcissism um, in the public square, we have cut off the gospel. And so, what I'm advocating for is we do have a public square voice, and we should never ever compromise what our book says. We highlight it. In fact, we talk about like we we talk this stuff among church planters, and we talk about public square. You never compromise what you believe. I'm one man, one woman for life. That's Genesis. That's the Bible. That's it. And and I'm never going to change that. I'm never going to advocate for anything else. But I'm not gonna I'm not gonna cover that up with somebody who disagrees with me. In fact, I want to do that with love, gentleness, peace. Uh, and I want them to hear me. I want to hear them, and I want them to tell me exactly where they think I'm wrong. That's that is the essence of what real public square dialogue is, is you tell me what you think and try to convince me. Because if you really believe it, you ought to try to convince me. Right. And if I really believe it, I ought to try to convince you. But we can do that peacefully. That's how you have real good public square debate and, uh, and discussion. And for Christians, we have that, but we have to get to the place we can do that, not hold up signs and scream at people because that gets nothing done. Now, it looks good for showing. It looks like you're being all spiritual. Oh, look yeah. at them, man. Did anybody get saved? No. Did you piss off some people? Yeah. Did you do peace? No. Right? And so the truth yeah. of the matter is, we have to come at this the way Jesus did. I find it fascinating that Jesus reserved his harshest things for the religious elite, mm -hmm. not the sinners. No. He went and, and sat down with the sinners. Went and sat down with the sinners and told them. He never said, don't repent. He said, don't sin anymore. You need to stop it. 
Yeah. But you're in the presence of the king of the universe, and I have the power to help you stop it. But for those who were ready to throw the rocks at the center, Jesus reminded them of the scriptures. Where's the guy who's guilty with her? You're supposed to stone him to death. Did you bring him, or is him one of y'all? And they all left. Yeah. Right? <laughs> it's like, dang. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And, you know, Jesus does not need my opinion to advance his kingdom. That's right. Um, he needs my obedience, um, and he needs... That's right. doesn't really even need that, but he, he asked for it yeah. because he wants us to be a part of that. That's right. And I think if we try to go make disciples yeah. and make conform this, just using the scripture to back our own yeah. opinions, we're no different than the Pharisees. We're no different than That's right. people who don't believe. That's right. So I'm going to give you the last word. I'm going to tell this last story. Um, example with that would be, I guess it's been a month now, three weeks ago. Uh, we were in we were in a Sangra village in the Suru Valley um, of Kargil, in the state of Ladakh in northern India, and uh, we're in a uh, these are Shiites. And my favorite picture I took was of the mosque there in Sangra village and the sign out front with the Ayatollah and Iran on it. And we we were going through the village and we were hanging out, uh, just meeting people because our friend works in that area and they know him. And I mean, I'm giving can't I'm being Paul. I got trying to give candy to kids at church. I'm giving candy to kids. I have bags of candy, and it's awesome. So I got to scratch all the itch of giving candy to kids. It was incredible. And the not, most nice-dressed man in the village, uh, his tire was flat on his little car, and folks were helping him change. And, and our a uh, couple of our guys jumped in helping him change the tire. So while they're doing that, I'm conversing. He's the imam. And uh, and he's he was leaving to go to the airport because he's going back to Iran to do some more study. So he's well-educated. He's got a little bit of English. His English isn't great, and I have zero Hindi. And so he's trying to work with me in English, and, uh, and uh, I, I asked him, if, <laughs> I asked him uh, what he believed about Jesus, and, and he told me, he said, oh, yes, we, we, we love Jesus. He's a prophet, but he's not the, he's not the final prophet. And uh, we love the teachings of Jesus, but we don't believe, you know. And he, he tells me what I know a, a good Muslim believes. And I said, well, we believe, we believe Jesus is God, and he died on a Roman cross in our place for our sins and he's buried and he rose on the third day and he is not just a prophet but he's priest and king and God and mm-hmm. and uh and I said and I said I want you to believe that and and, and I'm <laughs> I want to baptize you and he told me no 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 he said you pray shahada you pray shahada you become Muslim he said you're so close and I and I was like you're so close and so we had a good laugh and we had a we had a fun little time talking Islam and Christianity but we did it peacefully but I in no way was going to compromise the identity of Jesus mm-hmm. to be received peacefully. And he being a good Muslim was not going to compromise Islam for me to laugh at his jokes. And you know what? We got along and we did not agree. And I believe I said enough gospel that the Lord Jesus can give him dreams and save him. But I promise you, I will never pray the Shahada. But we still loved each other in that moment and laughed and had a good time. And I got to give kid kids candy um, and the gospel was implanted. And so for me, that's how it works. And we have to do it in more inflammatory issues here, but it can be done. It can be done. And we have to set the bar. So Chris, I'm going to give you the last word and then we're going to wrap it up. Yeah. You know, our original topic is, you know, how, how do Christians respond to news? And then, you know, just in the public square when it's on certain cultural topics and, uh, you know, I hope you didn't hear that. My answer is to not just be silent. You can have a voice. You can respond. 
It's how you respond. That's right. That's, I think, crucial to this. Speak truth. Be bold in that truth. Yeah. But bold does not equal harsh. Bold does not equal um, oppositional in a way that, you know, you're defensive and that you're trying to create an argument. Don't stir up arguments. Don't stir up hatred. But in your words, speak life, speak love, encourage, give people value and respect and then trust that the Lord will be able to use that how he sees fit. Don't control the outcome because you can't. <laughs> That's huge. I, I love it, Chris. I, I think the five L's, if you're just catching on to this and coming to the backside of this, go check out um, Chris talking about the five L's of lens, listen, learn, love, and let it go because that is that those, are, those five L's are the way to have a public voice and to speak. Yeah, absolutely. I love it. I love it. Well, guys, we appreciate you listening. Um, we thoroughly enjoy having you be part of this with us, and we would love it if you would send us more questions. And so um, theologyinthedirt at gmail.com is how you can contact us. If you have a question you'd like to ask or even want to go deeper in some of our discussion, you can send that to us at that email address, and we will be glad to get on it. In the meantime, you guys have a fantastic rest of your day. And, oh, by the way, there are 22 days left until Georgia kicks off at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. I'm going to get that in. Glory. Glory, <laughs> glory to old Georgia. Y'all have a great day. See you next time. Out.